Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the TakeCast. My name is Davis Maddock. You guys can find me on Twitter at Davis Maddock. In this episode of the show, I'm joined by my buddy Kevin Cole from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he does a lot of great work over there, a lot of good data analysis for Showdown. We'll have lots of stuff going on for the draft over there as well. Uh, and I really just wanted to have uh, a smart football guy like Kevin on the show to talk about some of the results that we saw from the previous weekend of games, you know, not, not so much the, the nitty gritty of like uh, the granular outcomes from the playoff games, but just, you know, why head coaches are making some of these suboptimal decisions and what they should be doing differently. Uh, and then, of course, talking about the QB carousel this offseason. And you know that we had to sneak in some top shots uh, discussion at the end as well. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can get Bonus episodes have uh, been one uh, been a bonus episode every single day the last week for uh, the Top Shots Marketplace. You can find that on patreon.com slash takecast, or you can just support the show by leaving a rating or review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And now let's go ahead and get into the episode. All right, everyone, welcoming in Kevin Cole from PFF back onto the show. It's been a while uh, since he's been on the show, but it's actually been on um, a couple times before. We are Two weeks out from the Super Bowl, I guess about 10 days out from the Super Bowl uh, at this point. And uh, we are, we're going to talk some football. So if you, you, you came on to your top shots, uh, Reddit investments, maybe we'll touch on that stuff a little bit yeah. at the I end. I could talk that. I could talk that too a little bit. <laughs> Nobody's going to want to hear what I have to say, but just like when I, when I, just like when I've talked Bitcoin in the past, which has not spectacularly blown up in my face, of course. Of course. So, I mean, first off, uh, the playoffs, how have you felt about them largely so far? I, I kind of think, I mean, there's not really been any good games, right? Like we with nothing super competitive, uh, really thus far. I mean, it's kind of like w- the most memorable moment of the playoffs for me is the, the Chad Henney 15 yard scramble to be, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. There hasn't been a lot. I mean, I guess we had the four, we had a four pretty good teams in the conference championships, uh, I mean, one of the reasons, and we'll talk about these fourth down decisions, but I think a big part of why people were so up in arms, not only because it was at the end of the game with the Lafleur decision, was the fact that it would have added some excitement, right? We would have had something more exciting than uh, Chris Godwin, uh, like reverse end around sliding down being the moment of the game, as opposed to Aaron Rodgers potentially getting a touchdown and then having to go for two and then potentially go to overtime, all that sort of stuff obviously would have been a lot more thrilling. So I think people felt... Like they were, they just kind of got jipped out of that. Yeah, I think you're, I think you're probably right. So that's where I want to start. I want to start with the field goals, both Green Bay's and Buffalo. And I personally find the Buffalo field goals more interesting because I think Matt, Flo- Matt LaFleur has always been a coward. Um, he, he's from the, he's from the Sean McVay tree who is super cowardly himself in terms of fourth downs. And I don't think it's that out of character. And even, by the way, though, I, I want to say this to Ben Baldwin, to the people running the win probability models at ESPN. the Because this was actually the take I saw, that the Green Bay field goal was not that bad from a win probability perspective. And I just, my, I don't see how that could possibly be true. Like, do you, do you agree with just the, the, the win probability models that were being split out? Because... I, I think, I mean, maybe the fact that it was before the two-minute warning changes things a little bit, but to me, it just seems impossible that that is the right win probability decision. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because even even Ben, he recalculated his. So I think initially he had it as being a percent and change, and I think that's around where some others may have had it. There was one... Um, uh, Matt Davidow's company. I don't know if you know those guys who do the uh, yeah deck the deck prism about. sports yeah deck prism. Now he had it as being the field goal being the right decision, but some of the underlying numbers that he talked about, which I think he said the decision raised their win probability to like twenty seven percent. I don't know how you could have a twenty seven percent win probability 
being down five with your opponent has the ball with two minutes left to go. So that, that didn't sound right to me. Uh, but anyway, when Ben recalculated it, it went up to three and change, which is a pretty significant amount. And that places it in line with some of the bad decisions that we saw uh, by, by McDermott. And I'll say one thing about Lafleur. I know you would think that he came from, you know, the fake sharp tree. So therefore he would fall into that, that bucket too. But by the numbers, if you look at when he's gone versus what would be recommended based on his models, Green Bay's actually been at the, near the top or at the top the last couple of years as far as doing it more often than, than anyone else. And the Buffalo Bills have been there too. So this, that's why the whole thing That's makes- what was so shocking because yeah. I don't think of McDermott as a fake sharp. I think of McDermott as like what – how many coaches would have the, the wherewithal to stick through that super pass-heavy game plan against Baltimore – you know, and really even just watching what Josh Allen was the first two years of his career and say, we're trading the first round pick for Diggs. We're signing John Brown. We're, we're going to build our offense all around letting this dude huck the ball 70% of the time. Like, I think very few coaches would have the understanding to realize that, like, that's actually what they should be doing. I, even though I wanted the Chiefs to win and I was, I thought it was hilarious that the Bills were kicking all those field goals. I did in a way I felt betrayed because I thought McDermott was better than that. Yeah. I mean, so he had the history. He, you know, initially he was the guy who, um, Paul D. Podesta wanted to bring in instead of Hugh Jackson in Cleveland. So that's another thing that it kind of points him in that direction. So what I was surprised by when he was discussing why he didn't go, and most people are focusing on not going from the two-yard line at the end of the at the end of the half. Again, it's a higher impact play than I think it was. He had a fourth and three where they took a fifty-one-yard field goal instead. Also, an awful decision. In some ways, that one annoys me more because that's the one that nobody pays attention to, um, and, and it's, it's just as just as harmful. But when he was talking about the other one. He said, well, maybe we'll have to reevaluate it. We'll take another look at it. He has to have some have someone in his headset because he's getting so many of these right before. He has to have someone in his headset telling him that it was the right thing to go for it because it was unambiguous in this circumstance. So yeah. there's no reevaluation other than to reevaluate your, your, your inability to pull the trigger when you needed to do it. That's what needs to be reevaluated. Well, and also, so he did he did say that, but then he also gave us some coaching platitudes. Oh, yeah. I forget. I forget the exact phrase he said. I think it was Morale something about was in there. Somewhere. Yes, there. Taking it was the about points, taking points. Not yeah, too many w- though. We just want to take some points. Not too, not too many. Not, yeah, we don't want to. We, we don't want to. We don't want to be ostentatious. We don't want to get all the points. Yeah. But I, I think. It, I think you're right. I think he said something about you know to have driven all that way down there, going into the half, knowing you're giving Kansas City the ball. He said. He did. He said something about morale, which is. Um, by the way, if I was a coach against Kansas City, I would um, never want to give them the ball at halftime. I would always want them to have the ball first. This was something the broadcast talked about in – it was a big topic on Twitter, and I don't remember which one of the wild card games it was, but the Romo and Nance were confused about the decision-making that one of the teams did. But if, first off, if I had a good offense, I would always want to defer. I would always want to be getting the ball back in the second half. But very specifically with the Kansas City Chiefs, because of the way um, that football works is there's compounding score effects where like you have to play a lot differently when you're down 14 points than down seven points. I would I would never want to be giving the ball back to Patrick Mahomes at halftime because of the chances that you go into halftime down seven. And then by the time you get the ball back, you're down two touchdowns maybe. And maybe that's too radical and maybe math doesn't back that up, but that's definitely something that I was thinking about during that bills game. I mean, there used to be this whole thing of deferring was better and it's really difficult to figure out what one thing that happened was there used to not be a choice. So I'm trying to think when it was. Maybe right. it was 2006, something like that. There was no defer, and you can only choose to receive. You, couldn't, you can't choose to kick. You would choose to defer or receive, right? So you'd win the, whoever won the coin toss would receive. So it was completely random. And before that, if you looked at who won, whether it was the team that received or the team that kicked, it was basically 50-50. There may have been a slight advantage to, this, to the team that received. So, But then once, they, once it became an option to do, uh, certain teams like the Patriots and the Seahawks in particular – would defer every single time they were out in front of deferring. Most people were, most people were choosing to receive just because that was the default option. So they switched first and then the numbers started to get tweaked. And then people yeah. started saying, Hey, deferred is better. And it's like, no, no, this is like selection bias here. The fact that the Patriots and other teams are doing it. So I still don't think we know, but in some ways with the chiefs, I think, 
I don't know if I want to get a lead early on these guys. Like, I don't want to be up. I don't want to be up. Uh, like, well, it, it is an impossible. It is and, an impossible. And then they just start thing. throwing at every play, right? So, right. So being up nine zero is probably like I would rather be up only by a few points and get the ball in the second half, just because I don't want to rile them up. I don't want to rile up that offense early <laughs> and they toss out those running plays and just and just throw the ball every single down. It's so funny that they look so average when they're giving, you know, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, Darrell, well, it just doesn't matter. Like when they're yeah. handing the ball off on second down to one of those guys, it is, it is just unreal. The difference. Um, I wish I could credit the guy who had this stat, but some very smart guy did the math on Mahomes's uh, postseason career, did the math for all the full drives that were not kneel downs, right. That were not the, the chiefs kneeing out the clock and found that the chiefs were averaging on 64 full drives, three and a half points per drive. And that's including interceptions. That's including turnovers. Like I just don't, when the chiefs decide to just throw the ball on 90% of their downs, I don't really know what you're supposed to do. And sure they could lose against the Buccaneers. Like it's football. It's a, it's a weird game. Uh, it's an oblong leather ball that bounces in a lot of different ways, but I don't really know what you're like from a, like just talking game theory and not like getting into like the, Oh, you need to run a lot of hitch routes against this defensive back. Like from a game theory perspective, I don't really know what is optimal against them other than I guess, just hoping you execute to perfection. I mean, the Bills tried what has been the the strategy, which is you sit back and you hope that they have to grind down the field. And you're basically hoping that they're going to kick field goals and not score touchdowns. And you're hoping they're not going to convert a third down or two. And that maybe Andy Reid, who has been known to also, you know, kick a kick a good field goal on four. Well, he, me- he messes the clock up more than he I mean, yeah, he did kick a very bad field goal against the Browns um, when Henny came in. I'm sure, and I didn't listen to what he said after the game, but I'm sure it was something along the lines of, you know, Chad's in there. We want the extra points, the extra cushion, whatever. But yeah, he he does like to kick a good field goal. Every I mean, now he's gotten a little bit better, but you know what McDermott did again? Like, this is a reason why I'm surprised by he's so bad. And that first matchup during the season, if you remember, he he just allowed them to run the ball. He 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 begged them to run the ball. Uh, Edwards Alaire, I think, had. Yep. 164 yards carries 164 yards and after the game he even admitted as much that that's what he did so that's a brilliant strategy the problem is in the playoffs maybe the Chiefs aren't going to take that take that bait and it seems like something has also clicked where they've kind of figured out this sit back defense um, or at least Mahomes is now not pressing and he's just you know what I'm just going to take it like if you looked at his scatter chart that they do the the NGS it looked a little weak as far as all these short completions but hey you know like they're literally forcing him to do that Um, so so why not so he's just taking it now and I think that's making them almost unstoppable no matter what the defense is. Yeah, what Tra- Travis Kelsey had nine receptions in the first half against the Bills because that's what it is. Is well, if you're going to give me Travis Kelsey seven yard receptions all day, I'll do that until one of your defensive backs, you know, doesn't you know doesn't follow McCole Hardman across the the formation, loses Tyreek Hill deep. Um, yeah, that that does tend to be. I don't know. I just don't, I don't know how you play against him. I, well, I think I, they were also using Tyreek short a lot more than they had, where he would just go five yards downfield and stop. And that's another counter that they maybe were not doing earlier this year. Earlier this year, they might have still had him running the, the deeper routes more often. And you know, he he didn't get as many catches as Kelsey, but he got he got at least he got double digits, right? So he was he was getting peppered too. Yeah, I mean, Kelsey set the record for Chiefs postseason catches in a game, and then Tyreek set the record for Chiefs uh, receiving yards postseason in a game, in the same game, which just shows you, I guess. And Tyreek dropped a 35-yard pass in that one, too. Yeah, so this is not on our agenda, but I I tweeted this last week, and people got mad, and people always get mad. Yeah. (laughs) And I obviously, I you know, I mean to inflame people with these tweets, so I'm not blaming them for getting mad, but just that no team should ever hire a defense first head coach because what you best case, what you get is Sean McDermott, right? Defense first head coach. He lets the offensive coordinator do whatever they want, but he can weaken obviously in the key moments, but even, even regardless of that, which I still think is more of a defensive mindset than an offensive mindset. But Brian Dable, let's say Brian Dable did get the chargers job. Well, then, then what do the Bills do? Because you got to teach Josh Allen a new offense. You got to, or, or you promote 
the tight ends coach or whatever, who just spent two years learning under, under Dable, I guess. But it, it just, it seems to me like not a smart use of organizational resources. Yeah. I mean, I think there's, I'm more of the opinion that there's less difference between these coaches than we think, than we we're now like one, whoever the head number one coaching candidate is, isn't necessarily that much better than anyone else. So if you have that mind state, you could say, well, all else being equal, I'll just take the offensive guy instead, um, assuming there's not a big difference between them. Um, but I do think defensive guys can be good. I'm, I'm interested to see what someone like Robert Sala does with the Jets because I think he could be a more of a forward-looking guy. Um, I like what he said about have, getting his players paid. Have they paid, hired an offensive coordinator? <laughs> have the Jets hired um, an offensive coordinator? Yeah, they hired um, uh, uh, LaFleur, another LaFleur, Mike LaFleur, uh, LaFleur's brother, ah. Matt LaFleur's brother from San Francisco. So they're going to be running that same Shanahan scheme. The whole, the whole league is going to be running that Shanahan scheme. After That's the reason I love the Chiefs. It's like, just don't run the Shanahan scheme. You know, I want to see just pure unadulterated passing, not setting up the pass through the run. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, the, the, the most fun offense, the teams that played the most fun games, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Seahawks until Pete Carroll like, got scared and realized what was happening and, and went back into his shell. Uh, and then they fired Schottenheimer and like, oh man, what a, what a nightmare for the Seattle Seahawks to learn the exact wrong lesson from their season is, is very classic and chaotic um, Seahawks. So yeah, I don't know. I, I do think that this conversation does tie into the QB carousel because we'll, we'll have never seen anything like this because at the same time, Breeze is retiring. I think right now we are recording this on Wednesday, January 27th. I think Roethlisberger seems 50-50. Maybe he's back. Maybe he's not. Rivers is retiring. Stafford is going to get traded. I mean, we're talking about institutions, like guys who have been on the same team, playing the same position for a decade, eight years, like just a really long time. And my guess is that there are 10 quarterbacks who are probably locked in. But like anyone from like Derek Carr, he could move. Jared Goff, he could move. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, like we're talking about all of this different stuff. So first off, how do you want it to play out? Like what are some of your dream scenarios for how this plays out? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to see as much movement as, as possible, quite honestly. Yeah. Just it's because great. it's just going to blow up a lot of what we think we know about quarterbacks and their surroundings and everything like that. Because in the past, I can't think of an incident ever where a quarterback has left a team or or a team has allowed the quarterback to leave when they really wanted him to stay. Like it just did never, it never happens. I mean, you could say, Oh, you know, Kirk cousins, but they didn't want Kirk cousins. That was the whole reason he had to go. They didn't really want him. Um, Even with Dak. Now I don't know what's going on, but they don't, you know, if they really, really wanted Dak, they probably would have gotten something done with him before too. So for, for, for that reason, we just don't have much of a sample of guys leaving to see how much their performance can jump. I mean, how many like Ryan Tannehill's are potentially out there that can go from one circumstance to another and really jump up like that. So I think from that perspective, it's just going to be fascinating when you have, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's of the world who are assumed to be and, and the um, Jared Goff's of the world who are assumed to be all about the coach who when they've had good performance right. and their performance has been pretty good at times. And then you have other guys like Matthew Stafford, who is supposed to be um, so much better than his performance over time. And when he goes someplace else, what are we really going to see for from him? I mean, I think people are going to overestimate how much they're going to change, but I'd be re- I'm just really interested to see, quite honestly. Yeah. So I think the, obviously the most interesting guys to Sean Watson, right. Where we all think he's great. Everyone thinks Watson is one of the five, uh, seven best quarterbacks in the NFL. I think, I don't think anyone would argue outside of that, but we're talking about a five win season for the Texans and the, the Texans have won one playoff game. Well, Deshaun Watson, that, that's right, right? One quarterback, one playoff game yeah, when he's been the quarterback? Yeah, I, I don't remember. I mean, I remember when they played the Chiefs, and that was in the first round. They played. Yeah, I guess they won. I think they won a game before that, but yeah. I'm, I'm looking right now. Uh, playoff passing, yeah, so he's he's one and two in the playoffs. So uh, one playoff win for his career in Houston. Uh, 28 and 25 is his overall record. Everyone universally agrees, you know, Bill O'Brien, idiot, not a good coach, bad use of resources and everything. So I'm, I'm not trying to say that Deshaun Watson is bad or that we have any reason to doubt this, but I do think it will be very interesting if he goes to either Miami or to New York and they sign Smith Schuster, uh, Chris Godwin, 
uh, who's Allen Robinson. This is like a, this is a total stud wide receiver class. If, if he goes Will to Fuller. Miami, Will Fuller, Will Fuller, Will Fuller. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't think that would count because, well, it, I, of course it counts, but it's still, it's not, it's not a sample where we're trying yeah, to extrapolate yeah. something right, extra right. If you want to see him data. with someone new, you want to see him with new, yeah. So let's say theoretically Miami, they got the good defense, right? Even though we, you know, year to year defense, it, it tends to not be that sticky uh, by and large, but he, he goes to Miami. They have Devonta Parker, Mike Kosicki. They have, uh, you know, a head coach we think is smart in Brian Flores and they sign Allen Robinson, Juju Smith-Schuster, whoever, and, you know, they don't win that division or something, then I think we would start to see the hot take factory on Deshaun Watson be like, well, you know, maybe he would, maybe he's more flash than, you know, or whatever. I mean, I don't, I've, it's been so long since I've listened to ESPN. I didn't even know how to do a good fake hot take on Deshaun Watson there, but I, I can already see that happening to Deshaun Watson. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the thing is, he was good though by any metric last year. Yeah. So uh, it's 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 kind of difficult to pin it on him as opposed to like I said, the Stafford types who are like, yeah, you know, they're they're playing average. You know, let, let's not. It's their their play doesn't necessarily indicate anything more. I mean, the, my one concern with him, and he's gotten better about it, is he doesn't take as many sacks as he used to. But if you're really going to get to that pinnacle of quarterback play, um, that's just like when you're looking at guys like Mahomes where he just doesn't take sacks either. You know, he's like, not only is he making the plays, but he's not taking these negative plays. And those are the plays that end up getting largely ignored. Um, you know, when Russell Wilson is taking a ton, tons and tons of sacks and his numbers are getting hurt by it, at least if you look at EPA and things like that, people don't really understand it. Deshaun Watson was doing a lot of that before. It got a little bit better with Tunsil and other things like that. But I'd be interested to see, again, in a new location, whether he can continue to do that like he did last season, which is not, get the ball out of his hands quicker because that just raises the ceiling and the floor basically when you take out an additional like negative 30 40 epa off of your season ledger by not taking those sacks how vindicated do you feel about your russell wilson is overrated take right now <laughs> well i wish it was a little bit more bold than i mean my my the, the, sure. the literal take was he could be slightly overrated and I should have been out there a little bit more on it. I mean, I definitely feel vindicated. It's just, people don't understand what overrated means. That's what, that's the annoying part of it too. Like I, I did this thing. Right. I did. I, I should have refreshed it now where I took a poll at the beginning of the season, as far as how overrated he was or underrated mid season. And then if I did it now, there'd be way more people saying now that he's overrated when he's rated the lowest that he's been. Yeah. When now, <laughs> then, now he's underrated. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. So it's like at the beginning of the season, it was only like when I'm saying someone's overrated and then you take, you do a poll and only 5% of people say that he's overrated. It's like, guess what? Like you, like you're not a special snowflake who has this opinion about Russell Wilson that no one else has. Like everyone has this opinion. Like people think that they're ahead of the curve when they're behind the curve, essentially. And they think so, so that that's the problem with this overrated underrated. So I got a little bit of grief for that, especially the way you started the season. But we saw what happened down the stretch, and I, I don't even like to see him go down that hard. Quite honestly, it was a little, it was a little bit ugly down the stretch. How how quickly do we go from MVP favorite to you have to blow up the whole offensive system? Yeah, I mean, uh, the, he and he was playing that well early in the season. I don't, yeah, I don't have any explanation to what happened because um, I yeah, the the meme on football Twitter is Brian Schottenheimer couldn't figure out what happened when teams started playing cover two, right? Just two high safeties, you know, basically one of them on Metcalf side and then one of them uh, on David Moore's side. And then I, you know, I, I, which maybe explains why Tyler Lockett's target volume dipped and then went way back up under the, uh, over the course of the second half of the season. But it's, it can't just be Schottenheimer's fault. Like it's gotta be, there's gotta be a larger, I mean, I don't know, maybe it is, but it feels like there's gotta be a better explanation than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think the Schottenheimer thing is, so this is also part part of the the overrated thing at the uh, the take on him was that when things go bad for Russell Wilson, there's a certain contingent now, not in the past. In the past, it used to be like Russell Wilson needs the running game. Russell Wilson needs, um, you know, Marshawn Lynch and the defense and everything else. But now it's like nothing is his fault in in kind of a way. So he 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 doesn't have elements of his game to like the quick game and other things that he needs to be successful there. But it just seems strange to me that a guy could be you know eight and a half years into his career and then be figured out somehow by by having two high safeties i mean there must be something more complicated going on with these defenses now the way they're running it to really be able to to shut someone down like that yeah i would i would imagine that that is 
Correct. Um, okay. Some of the other, well, are you, are you of this, uh, this opinion that Matt, like Matthew Stafford's trade destination, like it doesn't really matter. He just is a, a pretty average player. Not really, you know, not going to take anyone from outside of playoffs. Like I, I would maybe think him, uh, I would maybe think of him as kind of like a floor raiser, I guess, if, if that makes sense. Like it's, it's, the lions do it, but it's hard to be like a really, really bad offense when Stafford is your quarterback though. I guess, you know, they, it did happen a fair amount. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think he's more of a floor raiser than a ceiling guy as people may think. I mean, I, I trying to think I saw something they're like, Oh, imagine if the new Orleans saints had Stafford. Yeah. I mean, I know Drew Brees, arm fell off at the, at the end of the season there, but I mean, would they have been any better? I don't know. I mean, they didn't have, they didn't have yeah, a whole they, lot. They would have been better because breeze breeze could do anything like Taysom Hill would have been a better option than breeze. I think for, for I mean, we're, 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 we're placing a lot on that, on that game. I mean, breeze had a pretty good game against the Vikings. He had some good games this season. Now he just, he's just going to have a really bad game once every three games or so. And that's always going to correspond with getting knocked, knocked out of the playoffs. So I, I guess my point is, you say, well, well, what did he have in Detroit? Well, he had Calvin Johnson for about half of his career. He had Golden Tate, prime Golden Tate, for like 40% of his career. He had Marvin Jones for another 40% of his career. He had Kenny Galladay for like 20% of his career, 20-something percent of his career. I mean, it's not – like, those aren't bad weapons. Yeah, but he also he also accumulated, though. Like, I like I, it's not like you're, you're going to look at Stafford's production and be like, you know, this was a below-average quarterback. The issue is – I mean, I, I, and I guess I don't really know – my guess would be is that he's not hyper efficient and that he yeah. takes a lot of un, like he, he tends to be a quarterback who takes unnecessary risks um, would be my guess is what would show up in the data for him over the long term. I mean, he's a he's an if you look at EPA per play, he's topped out at five a couple of times, uh, one of them being an eight game season in 2019. So I don't know if that even really it counts or at least you're not that confident in it and then he's been as low as you know 22 and he's normally hanging out in that 10 to 15 range and that's probably that's my best guess for who he is yeah uh let's see some of the okay what do you think the pittsburgh steelers should do if ben roethlisberger retires do you think they should draft a quarterback do you think they should go with Jameis? Uh, I mean, honestly, they, they might be, they might be a, a team that, that makes sense for Stafford. Actually. Uh, I don't, I mean, I don't know. Stafford's on like a huge contract. So it's not like you should be required to trade a ton for him because the Steelers are a team that would average quarterback play. I mean, they're not going to be favored over the chiefs, but clearly like that's a good roster. Yeah. I So they're one of, I'm trying to think three or four teams, including the, the Eagles, the saints and the Falcons to a lesser degree who are kind of in cap hell you know everyone says the salary cap doesn't matter well it's going to matter especially if it's 180 million next year i think they're 40 million over the cap um right now so if if roethlisberger retires he's he has a 41 million dollar cap hit next year uh, i believe (laughs) uh so if he if he retires i believe they get back like 20 million so you know, to someone like Stafford, that's kind of like a lateral move. I think I think Stafford's in the in the mid twenties, what his cap it would be. But the problem is they still need to get another thirty million off of the books with T.J. Watt's extension coming up here. Um, so th- they got some problems. They're gonna have to cut a few, a few guys. So it's just the, the surrounding team is not gonna be as good. You know, Juju Smith-Schuster, they're gonna let him go for sure. Um, they have Claypool and they have uh, they have Deontay and all of them. So that's so I think they'll be fine there. But they are gonna let other guys who are more expensive coverage guys, Joe Hayden, those kind of guys, I'm sure those guys are gone. So what the team ends up being will be interesting because they're going to have to trim another 30 million of uh, salary off of, off of their 2021 uh, cap. Seems, uh, I mean, I guess if there was an off season to do it, this is a decent off season to do it because there are a lot of teams that are looking to shake things up. So they'll be able to let some guys go. Uh, I, in other ways though, a terrible year to do it, because the draft, I mean, what, what are these teams doing with, with the draft? Because Trey Lance is 20. He's played one game in the last 18 months, and it was an exhibition just literally to get him drafted. Uh, no combine. you know. So whatever teams are doing in terms of setting their athletic thresholds, all that stuff is going to have to be taken uh, with a big grain of salt. I mean, what do we expect the results from this year's draft to like essentially just look random? Because I kind of do. I mean, it's not going to be random, but I, I mean, so there's two different ways you can think about it. You can think, well, you should prioritize getting higher picks. So you have more certainty 
on your top, top guys. But I don't know if that really applies outside of the top 10, 15 picks or something like that. So I'd probably flip it the other way and say, let's try to get multiple picks. Let's just bring guys in and then see who we have because we're going to learn a lot more. Proportionally, you're going to learn a lot more in training camp than you've had even in other seasons versus what you're learning going into the draft uh, without workouts, without all, all that stuff. So it, again, it's probably, it, it's like a broken record sort of thing, but just take more shots, get more guys in the building and, and figure out who you have uh, because they're going to be guys, more guys slipping, right? There gonna be more guys slipping than ever who would have been drafted higher. If we, if, if that, if we would have had a, a bigger sample, we could have seen what they did in that, in that final year, those guys would have rose up the board. And now they're going to be in the second round in the third round in the fourth round where they could have been in the first round otherwise. So the, the ultra trade down philosophy, just, just literally yeah. as many times as possible, as many times as I mean, not allowed. like the just, Vikings last year where they have like 17 seventh round picks or whatever, they, whatever they yeah, tried to that do, was but, so funny. But, try, but try to get more in the middle in the middle of the draft for sure. Yeah. I think that, uh, I think that makes a fair amount of sense. What do you, do you have an opinion on Trey Lance? Uh, I, I am all in on this dude and I want to just on every single podcast, he was so good. I mean, obviously against mediocre competition, but he's not even 21 yet. He will be, he will be by the time he gets to his first NFL game, he will have turned 21, but we're talking about like the, the ideal physical NFL quarterback these days, like a bigger guy, like a, you know, a strong guy, Trey Lance can run a little bit. He's got the cannon, um, you know, the, the, de- the decision-making stuff, uh, you know, obviously you want him to work on it at the next level, but like his, his college numbers are absurd as they should wait, be. Wait, do you have played- to, I'm just looking at, do you have 28 touchdowns and zero interceptions? Zero. Zero. <laughs> How's that even possible? Um, yeah, I mean, two hundred twenty-seven attempts. Yeah, so that's also like a ten percent touchdown uh, rate, which is which is kind of insane. Yeah, I mean, my, so this is like this is this uh, this is maybe galaxy brain thinking here going on. But my thought would be like Josh Allen is going to cause Trey Lance to go too to, high to go, in the NFL draft. Yeah, right. <laughs> so because Josh Allen happened. I'm going to just assume whatever the market price is for Trey Lance is too high. Now, do we, but you don't really know if you're an NFL team, you don't know exactly who else is going but to draft him. Do, do, does but, market price even matter for quarterbacks? Because it's so binary. All that matters is, is can this guy be elite? And if he is, it's worth what you, you'd pay 10 of whatever you paid for him originally. If they end no, that, up being that's that a good. good. Point. That's a good point. Maybe, maybe like vis-a-vis where you rank him versus other quarterbacks. Maybe that's more of a thing. I mean, will he go, above i don't know is just justin fields is not getting a lot of love in some mock drafts that i'm seeing here like will he go above someone like like fields i don't know wilson seems to be getting a lot of hype uh, especially potentially going to the jets at number two so maybe he won't go above him so maybe that's that's the trade you know long long fields short short lance i don't know that's (laughs) but i I really have not dug into this to no i would short be able to say i would short zach wilson before i would short trey lance like I just, Wilson was not, I mean, like he's fine or whatever, but he just was not when I would watch BYU. And again, not that I'm like a guru quarterback expert or whatever, but he, he seemed fine to me, but he didn't seem like a guy that leapt off the screen that was like, Oh, this dude is going to go to some team and they're going to, they're going to, you know, score infinity points every single game. Whereas like with Lance, I get it. Like I, I get, I see, what he would be at the NFL level that would actually allow you to have this just insane offense that just put up absurd points every single week. I mean, I, I get it with Zach Wilson, what you'd want from him. Cause he's just got that disgusting cannon. Maybe like actually Justin Herbert is going to cause Zach Wilson to get overdrafted. That's what's going to happen. Herbert's going to cause a lot of guys to get overdrafted as well. Cause he wasn't good in college either. Yeah. So, so here's, here's my, I was, I wasn't as down on Herbert as some others and only because it's one of these weird like like t- timing issues with Herbert because he you know he started as a true freshman right maybe not game one but he he definitely started early he had a really good sophomore year like a really solid sophomore year people were saying this guy's the number one pick next year type of type of year and then he didn't play that well and then he stayed another year and then he still didn't play that well so it's mm-hmm. one of those things where if he could have come out as a sophomore he might have been the number one pick overall and everyone would be talking about how amazing and, and awesome he was so i don't I, I like these guys with a long track history um wilson has that to a degree i guess when i look at him 
he doesn't he has a, he has a cannon arm he runs a lot but I don't know if I'd run that much in the NFL if I were him because he does not look like a guy who's going to hold up as much as he's running in college when he's when he's running in the NFL. So I'm going to use some very unanalytic takes and say, I don't know, the guy, the, I think the guy's going to going to get potentially get himself hurt if he tries to run as much as he was in, in college. Yeah, well, and that's that's a thing that all quarterbacks have to decide at some point, right? Like we yeah. we saw we saw the risk reward of that with our guy Patrick Mahomes, right? Gets the gets the concussion, and he's not really a runner, but he is like you know scrappy and mobile or whatever. And our guy I mean, Lamar Jackson, you know, I mean, I don't know here. It says Zach Wilson. We'll see what he weighs in. It says he's two hundred and nine pounds. That's light. You know, that's, that's, just that's not, small. Yeah, that's small. But maybe that number will end up being different. But, you know, Trey Lance, these are the, whatever. I don't know where these numbers come from, but these Lisa estimate 227, Justin Fields, 227, Mahomes, he was 220 something. Deshaun Watson, I believe, was even like, was even two, at least 215, if not 220 himself. So, some, I don't know, that's small. So, I'd be, I'd be interested to see where he, how he weighs in. That, that, that may affect my opinion a little bit. My yeah, my guess is maybe they get him to like two ten or whatever. My guess is Lance yeah. probably ends up even bigger too because he hasn't played. All this dude has had to do is lift weights and run for the last you know eight <laughs> months or whatever. Like that. That's yeah. all. I'm you know. I guess I do, I'm sure he's been working with some like quarterback guru or whatever to, uh, to help his draft stock. Yeah, I, it'd be I, good if he was doing that now rather than wait until like Josh Allen wait and <laughs> finally figure yeah. out how to throw a football between your second and third seasons. Yeah, you know what? Uh, you know what I would love though is just for all these rookies to come in and start right away instead of us having to see a year of bridge quarterbacks, right? So we get a year of Jameis and we get a year of Andy Dalton and we get you know like I just would love if Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, um, you know, there's there's one other guy that's supposed to go high. I got to go look it up right now. Twenty twenty NFL QB rankings draft. There's because there's I, mean, I saw I saw that there could be as high I a line that some someone was thinking maybe six quarterbacks could go so it's Trey Lance well, Kyle, I mean, Tr- Trask, Kyle Trask Trask and Mac yeah, and Trask. Mac Jones yeah yeah Mac Jones I don't know about Mac Jones but yeah it's, I it's I possible. think I think no way for Mac Jones I mean imagine spending a first round pick on an Alabama quarterback I mean even Jalen Hurts Jalen Hurts couldn't go in the first round uh, and he, yeah. he he broke like every record that existed when he was at Oklahoma do you do you think the Eagles will start Wentz week one next year I guess so I mean that's the you're hearing enough buzz about it that I get that the fact that the relationship was broken with Peterson and that was why they moved on and all all that sort of talk and the fact that the owner is in on Carson Wentz so I guess so although they you know they they keep Howie Roseman Howie Roseman is the guy who drafted Jalen Hurts right so yeah it doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense to me and then if you believe how much Aikman knows or doesn't know, you know, he went on a podcast after that and he said, he said, he said, I talked to Doug Peterson, but I don't have any insight. He threw that out there. I don't have any insight. I don't know if I believe it or not. And then he said, he basically said that Peterson wanted to give Hertz a shot next year or, you know, maybe not give it to him, but have him seriously have a shot. And that was the biggest disagreement. How could that be the disagreement? How is it a better organ? I guess, just because it is so absurdly hard to get off of Wentz's contract. Like they're just, there's no takers, right? He's, he's owed yeah, like an absurd amount it. of money. I don't know if that's it. I mean, the, the, he's, if he gets traded, it's, it's, it's uh, no cap savings, but no cap loss, I guess. No really. cap, no, no dead hit. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's dead, but it's not dead beyond what his cap hit would have been anyway. So you're not, so like, who cares, right? If you're just going to start Jalen hurts, if you can get rid yeah. of somebody, then, then do it. The, the problem is that you have to, you have, you guarantee, I think it's his salary. There's like a guarantee that would kick in or some money that would kick in. So you have to do it very early in the off season before the league year even starts. Before you even know. Yeah. Yeah. Before you even know what's going on. And I think, I think the owner sometimes is in on these guys, you know, and they, they're the franchise yeah. quarterback. They're the golden boy. Uh, they got the contract and they want to, they, they think if we switch the coaches, we'll unlock something uh, to get back to that 2017 season where he was completing every third down and just making these insane, oh, unstable plays. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll see. Good, good luck with that. Good luck with that guys. Um, all right. What else, what else do we have here? Um, okay. This is a good one. As long as Patrick Mahomes is the quarterback of the Kansas city chiefs, 
Do you think that other teams should take that into consideration in terms of how they build their teams in the way, like teams had to structure their personnel to play against the Indianapolis Colts when Peyton Manning was there. And I, I mean, I guess theoretically you had to think about it with the Patriots, but they never, they had a very amorphous play style and they just kind of did whatever worked while, while Brady was there. Cause I kind of think the answer is yes. I, I think that you should structure your, especially if you're in the AFC and the NFC, whatever, like, you know, and we actually saw this happen in the NBA where teams would think about, well, what are we going to play against the, the death lineup? You know, what, how, what is going to be our five guys against the death lineup? If we are going to be that team, if we want to seriously challenge for a title. And I think the way that, you know, if I was going about it, obviously you'd want the best cornerbacks possible. You just want your cornerbacks to be very fast and, and just the best available to try and mitigate some of the advantage that Tyreek Hill creates. I'd want to, I, and this is actually not the way teams spend money, but I would want to have really strong safeties. Like if I was going to out, like, for example, I would pay linebackers, nothing. I would just have like dudes walking in off the street playing linebacker. What about Kelsey, I guess Kelsey's getting old though. So maybe you can, you can let that go. Yeah. Well, I, what's a linebacker going to do against Kel? Like what, what linebacker that exists in the NFL has stands a chance against Kelsey in yeah. coverage. I don't yeah, even know if point. there is one. So I, and, and uh, pass rushers, right. It, which is, that's not a market exploit. Everyone pays pass for Like they, they are like the second most important position. But I, I, I also think prioritizing speed at all those positions over everything else too seems smart because that's what the chiefs do on offense. They, they, they just want as many dudes who run four, three, on offense, I, I guess, except for Clyde Edwards Hilaire, who's got to be the slowest running back ever drafted in the first round, right? I don't know. There, there's no way anyone could ever have ran slower and been drafted in the first round than CH. Yeah. yeah what do yeah, you think about that idea? Possible. Yeah, I like it. I mean, I guess generally, if you want to talk about going against the Warriors, so you probably look at the Rockets and and what Daryl Morey was trying to do. I mean, some of it was exploiting just the league inefficiency in the way of the small ball and shooting the three pointers. But some of it is, it's just as simple as saying, let's, let's just crank up the variance, right? Let's just crank up what some crazy shit that could potentially happen uh, over the course of 60 minutes. And that may be your strategy. So your strategy would be, I, I think I agree with you. you. You build on the back end on defense because you're going to want to blitz. Let's say you're going to want to blitz a lot. You're going to want to do some crazy stuff, even though Patrick Holmes is great against, against the blitz. But then again, you know, Josh Allen was supposed to be great against the blitz. And we saw what happened on, on Sunday. I mean, weird shit can happen. You can get burnt, but then things can also go your way. So I think it would be, it would be that. And then on offense, the same thing. You want a team that could potentially score uh, quickly and not have to grind it out. Cause we have to grind out drives. I think, I know there's this theory that you keep, you keep Patrick Mahomes off the field and, but you're, you just, you're just never going to have efficient enough of an offense to score enough with that, with, with that theory, despite the fact that you could shorten the game and have fewer drives on each side. So th- those would be the two things that I would do. Yeah. Cause you, you actually want to score fast, right? You, you, you yeah. don't, you don't actually, you just want to get as many points up on the board as possible. You like, I don't know. I, I feel like it's never worked against the chiefs to try and play slow. Like I can't think of a team. Yeah. It, I can't think of a time that it worked. Well, people yeah. are going to point to like the Colts game when Mahomes was injured last year. And I think Hill and Watkins didn't play the fact that they lost a very low scoring game and they grinded it out. You know, it was the ugly, the Jacoby percent <laughs> oh, yeah. time as being the model, but that was that that's not the case in most of the games. Most of the games that they lost were very high scoring. The, the opponents putting up 35, 40 points. The, the Chiefs defense is just a lot better this year. But the times that they have been vulnerable, I think they've got beaten on some big plays. I was surprised that Allen was never I mean, he, he attempted throwing the ball deep sometimes, but uh, I mean, he may have missed, he may have missed one or two, but it didn't seem to be a lot of opportunities. I was surprised he didn't have more opportunities. I felt like that was something that the chiefs were vulnerable to during the regular season was giving up some big plays on defense just because of the way that they, they also like to take chances. It, it feels like for Josh Allen uh, that it just spirals. Like it just feels like if he misses a couple throws early and messes up a third down, like it just feels like it, it all goes to hell. I, I, and I don't know if that's true, but that's the way that I feel about Josh Allen is that he, he spirals. I mean, it was still a higher floor than that Houston game last year. I guess that's the game that the Texas won in the playoffs. So the Houston, the Houston game last year, when he was trying laterals out of nowhere and, 
hitting the, you know, throwing into triple coverage with the fullback 40 yards downfield and all the other crazy stuff that he was doing. So he, he, he's, he was bad in the playoffs. He was relatively bad in the playoffs, but it still was a lot better than even regular Josh Allen uh, last year. So in that way, it's an improvement. Yeah. Um, all right. What oh, else? Another thing with oh. the Chiefs, though, I'd say. Yeah, Chiefs, yeah. I'd say you, maybe you maybe got to just wait them out. The long game, which is in two years, Mahomes' uh, cap hit is going to be like 40-something million. Tyreek Hill's contract ends in, in 2022. Travis Kelsey will be 35 years old. Uh, they don't have a great pipeline of rookies because they traded away first round pick for Frank Clark. They used another one on, well, they traded away one for Patrick Mahomes. They used another one on Clyde Edwards Hilaire. They used an off ball linebacker in the second round. Maybe you're going to hope that things are just going to kind of well, like look, man, down when, over time, you know? When Ke- and then a few years from now, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. And we're, we're finally going to find out how good he is when he doesn't have a lot around him because they're not going to have uh, that pipeline established of cheap players. Yeah, when it's when it's Patrick Mahomes and uh, and DJ Shark getting paid a, a bloated contract. Yeah, no, I mean that's a real thing. I think that they will have uh, an adjustment period when Kelsey is not good anymore. When Kelsey is either retired, banged up, or or just not able to be as good anymore. Because I think uh, Kelsey and Tyreek are. Just, I not as important as Mahomes, obviously, but they're very important. Like the system right. does, they would have to change their system if those two were not on the team. Cause they're, I mean, they get 60% of the team's passes. Like they get the ball so much. Uh, okay. Last football thing. Is there anything to learn from this Brady thing in terms of like large lessons about how pieces on a football field interact? I, I have to think there is, because I can't let myself believe that 43-year-old Brady was just not good last year and is good this year. I have to think that elite offensive line, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Scotty Miller, Rob Gronkowski, Tyler Johnson, like these maybe the best group of pass catchers in the NFL. You know, maybe the Steelers are one and the, the Buccaneers are number two. I have to feel like that is a a huge part of it. Yeah, I think I think that's a big part of it, although that's probably a lesson that a lot of people are taking away from it. I would say another one, another lesson that's I think is interesting is we probably overplay the idea of uh of an age cliff for quarterbacks because yeah, what happens with quarterbacks, and this is this is I've done some research to to that backs this up in a, in a bit. It's not necessarily that they go off of a cliff and then they never come back. It's that they're old. So there's and then they and they have a bad year and then they're politely asked not to return the, the the following year and they draft someone and they move on to someone else but it doesn't mean that they won't they can't have a bounce back year even at this at this sort of age I mean unless they really are physically shot but there are a lot of guys who just aren't who aren't completely physically shot but they're they're just asked to leave at a certain point so I think maybe that is is something to think about is that if a quarterback has one bad year and they're older they're not necessarily toast at that point and we shouldn't assume we we're a little too confident in the fact that that a quarterback's done yeah i mean the only quarterback who i ever feel confident just shoveling dirt on anytime they're playing well is drew Brees because he just he can't (laughs) his arm just was not strong enough the last two years like you literally had 17 broken ribs or something he had more he had more broken ribs than you have ribs it was that bad yeah it was uh it was not great uh okay last thing here we got to do it Give me the Kevin Cole outside experience on Top Shots, uh, GameStop, AMC, which is cratering as I am talking to you, as I expected it would. It, it was going to get to close, and then if it didn't get there. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've lost money doing more things. But more specifically, Top Shots, you know, we are in, we're in the golden age of speculation, my friend, until this massive bubble bursts and we're all waiting in bread lines. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's it's like a real – step up from what's been happening for for a while which is you know the, if the economy is not going so hot let's just pump up pump up those asset prices and now we can come up with these new assets right so you can you can kind of invent uh an asset out of thin air you can digitally you can digitally make scarcity right so that there now it's a scarce mm-hmm. asset that, that you can build it to and i think the pandemic has really had this interesting effect because if you think about the type of people who are into this too, or it's mostly like, you know, white collar, younger people who 
are yeah, probably idi- have idiots, no problem. With- idiots like me with with without <laughs> like real money problems who don't leave the house. Right. So you're not so you're you're saving a ton more money than you would have otherwise because you have no you have no place to spend it. You're not out of work necessarily because everyone can move over to being remote and there's no place there's no like real business to invest your money in like there's Mm -hmm. no place else to put your money so it's even gone next level so that's why these you know it just it's just a a really just a means to speculate on on something so that's why i would be a little bit concerned if i were getting into these things but at the same time i could see it being highly highly profitable for those who are in first um before someone is before other people are in the problem is I just have no clue how you would how you'd have any 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 idea on how to value these things other than they're scarce. You know, it's going up. It's going yeah. up and yeah, it's scarce. But then what, you know, maybe make up another company that does something else for someone else. You know, I, I guess it has the it has the 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 blessing of the MBA. So you have that you have mm-hmm. that going for, for it. But I don't know. It just seems like it just seems like very difficult. I, I, I just can't do stuff where I can't have any any mind space around how to value something. So I'll just take my normal casino money and just put it in the in an index fund instead, and that that'll be enough for me. Yeah, the index funds. Uh, I mean, that's actually I'm actually generally very boring with my stonks because I have all this money invested in insanely volatile stuff. Like, you know, uh, I mean, not not the Bitcoin has been that volatile, although it did fall a bunch today. But Bitcoin and uh, Top Shots and and other you know just other sports cards and stuff like that. But I, I do. I would say most of my invest well most of my investment money is in Bitcoin because it's gone up so much. Um, but yeah, the 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 fun money I want to put in stuff like Top Shots that can just go nuclear. But you're right. I I do think that if we were all just able to leave our houses and go to dinner and and go to our, you know, just life as normal, pandemics behind us, we all got the vaccine, the vaccine worked. Uh, I think a lot of this, I mean, a lot of this would recede but i do think it's kind of one of those things where you can't put the genie back in the bottle in the sense of you've created an entire generation of people who are now semi-financially literate like they understand the concept of what the s p 500 is they understand uh or they know what an earnings call is they know uh they they've learned the idea that like oh, the federal government printing all of these U.S. dollars is bad for the U.S. dollars that I own and I should have less of those and more of things that can actually appreciate. Um, so, but again, I do feel as if this is all just leading up to a 2008-ish uh, bubble explosion of some well, there, degree. There's, just no, there's no metric, right? Like, I mean, okay, so even Tesla or whatever, these companies that the stocks go through the roof, yeah. yeah, I would say this is kind of closer to like in 2000 where you just reinvented like like the, the how you would value a company didn't matter anymore. And you're just kind of like, so that was what was justifying some of the prices, some of which have, have not even recovered to this day for, for a lot of the different companies going into that. So that's like a true, true bubble sort of thing. But when you have, even, even for companies nowadays, you can at least say there are some metrics to look at. But when we're talking about Top Shot or we're talking about even Bitcoin, like what's Bitcoin worth? I don't know. I mean, it's worth whatever someone's willing to pay for it. Because at this point, yeah. like people aren't really using it to transact, right? Like you'd be a, you'd be a fool if you were like buying it, unless you're unless you needed it for some. Def- I would say nefarious is probably the wrong word, but unless you needed it for yeah, if you wanted to, to buy it, buy some drugs to make to make it easier. So, you know, there, there, there's there's nothing there's nothing tethering it down. So once you get this initial spark, then it then you get the feedback, right? Then you get the feedback that it's going up. So maybe the impetus was the fact that everyone was sitting around with nothing to do, but now it's real. And now when things are going up, you can have, you can have these, uh, these bubbles start to form and people purchasing more and more into it just because of the fact that they're seeing what's, what's happening uh, and what's yeah. going on here. And it's all democratized too. Like it's just so easy to invest now. Um, it's even easier than opening a brokerage account and doing something with, and now they're they're really catering to to your to to your smaller dollar investor who can get a tiny slice of something too. That's another way just to just to pump things up, right? Is to yeah, the fractional investing. Is to, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's the fractional because yeah, you're, you're not investing like it used to be art, I guess, and now it's going over to other things. But there would at least yeah, be some I just limit I just on... bought part of a triceratops skull today. <laughs> what I, I saw I saw someone talking about that. I didn't know if it was a joke or not. Um, no, so this is it... real. This is real. I uh, on this app called Rally Round, uh, they the comp the the company at large 
purchases yeah. really rare, unique stuff. You know, my, Michael Jordan rookie cards, part of the floor from Kobe Bryant's uh, farewell game, dinosaur yeah. bones. And they allow you, they allow you to fractionally collection. invest. A collection of items. Yeah, so that's another thing. Like you're yeah. not, the, the, what's the utility there? I don't know. I, I don't know what the utility, like who, who, where, where are these bones stored? Is someone, is someone have them at home? This, and is, looking this at them is, or not? this is stored at this company's, you know, whatever facility. Uh-huh. My guess is, is that they probably would like to sell it to a private collector or to a museum for a lot. And yeah. I, there's like a voting system inside the app where you can say, okay, yes, we would like to cash in or no, we would, we, you know, it's, it's democratized in that sense of you're like, okay, I want to cash in or no, I don't want to cash in. Yeah. Which yeah. is interesting. Well, you know, Hey, more, more power to you. If you get in on this stuff, I just, I can't, I, I wouldn't be able to take checking in and, and I, I mean, I know you, I know some of you guys live off of that. You guys live off of that stuff, but it would be, it'd be too much for me with the up and downs on that. I like just checking my, my, uh, you know, brokerage account every, so every so many months well, to see whether it's gone up or not. Yeah. My brain has been ruined and like <laughs> your, your brain still functions in a relatively human way, but like, you know, you can, you can just do stuff and feel joy and go around and be happy. But like, I just, I, my DFS, and Bitcoin have just like that constant need for the serotonin and the dopamine of, of gambling. Like my, my brain is certainly rewired from the way I was born guaranteed from, from all of the, the social media and the, the you know, I, now I sound like an old person talking about a young person. You're, you're evolving. You're evolving. What can you say? Unlike the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, man. I mean, anything else you, you wanted to, you want to chat about? No, no, I think I think that covers it. I mean, I'm I, I'm hoping things turn out very interesting on these uh, uh, on all these different investment things. I mean, it's 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 intriguing to watch. I I, I enjoy. Well, another thing. Well, one other thing I'll mention about the um, the GameStop thing. Okay, yeah. so I, I, if people want to make you know a ton of money off of ruining hedge funds, I think that's fine. But I do think there is a little bit of a logical inconsistency in the idea of, and this goes with a lot of internet things where it's like Mm -hmm. hedge fund guys are assholes who like hurt people. So therefore what we're going to do is we're going to be assholes and hurt them. And hurt them. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's the, that's the solution. And it's kind of like, well, maybe, maybe neither one is good because someone is going to get, someone's going to get smoked on GameStop too. When it, when it drops back down to 20, I mean, there are people, there are people who are in this, you know, these Reddit threads who are not going to get good exit points and entry points and who are going to get wrecked. I mean, they're just, that's the way it is with any financial transaction. It's just that, you know, they're going to get wrecked along with the bankers and, you know, I don't know. A lot of people don't know their limits and, or, you know, I'm sure, I am sure it will come out that someone traded GameStop on margin, not realizing what that even means. And, you know, they're going to owe $25,000 of, of margin called GameStop, uh, GameStop or whatever. Like, and I, I bought options for the first time ever to try and do this AMC thing. And it didn't, it didn't fill because too many other people wanted the options. But even though I kind of knew what I was doing, I was still terrified. Like I, I'm not a, obviously I'm not a financial expert. Like I just am a, I'm an idiot who likes to, to speculate endlessly in the golden age of speculation. But like, I was terrified and I, I bet that a lot of people using options on this stuff don't even know enough to be afraid of messing up an option. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's also this thing where the evangelists in whatever it may be, um, I mean, I don't even know who these guys are. You would know these guys better than I than I do who are doing the GameStop thing. Like the guy was on CNBC today. Um, uh, Math. I don't know if you know what I'm talking. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Just, I mean, this guy's not like a hero or something. Like he just made a bunch of money and he donated it to to Barstool. And he's gotten so much publicity off of this. It's worth like a hundred, a thousand X, whatever money that he would have made that that he's that he's mm. given away. It's just like there's everyone is out for themselves. That's all I would say. It's like every, everyone's trying to make this some money for themselves. So uh, I'm a little bit allergic to this idea of the, the little man taking taking down the big man sort of thing when there are some other pretty, you know, medium sized guys who are who are getting who are getting good from this, too. Yeah, I mean, that is a it's a good thing to remember that uh, regardless of what you think, people are always out for themselves and they are yeah, very, exactly. very likely to be do any like anything in the financial world. 
like nothing is altruistic when it comes to finance. It's all about, it's all about, you know, the disease of more, give me more, I want more. Um, so that's, I think that is a great place to end the show. Kevin, tell them about all of the incredible stuff you guys have going on over at Pro Football Focus right now. Yeah, I mean, everything at PFF. I mean, I was doing a bunch of showdown stuff during the season, so obviously that's kind of running out, but we still got the Super Bowl left there. Uh, it's kind of my specialty. We're going to have tons of off-season stuff. So again, if you guys are interested in the draft, free agency, uh, there really is just unlimited uh, sort of content that we're providing there. So everyone can can go check it out. There's even like a 25% off deal going on right now. So check that out. And then check me out on Twitter at Kevin Cole PFF. Yeah. All right, everyone follow Kevin. Uh, check out all of his work on PFF. And we will be back next week with the Gilcast Super Bowl props preview. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. 